Hey y'all, welcome back for another episode of Best Virginia. I'm your host Jordan and today we're going to talk about the Greenbrier. Before we get started, I would like to announce that the new Best Virginia merch store is now up and live. You can find that at teespring, T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G dot com slash stores slash best dash Virginia dash podcast. Be sure to check that out for your Best Virginia swag, including t-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and more coming soon. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Best Virginia Podcast. I've definitely been feeling the love lately, so keep that coming. Um, Keep listening. I really appreciate it. Moving on, we're going to get into today's topic. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Greenbrier. Now, many people know about the Greenbrier, but a lot of people don't know exactly how significant the history of the Greenbrier actually is. For those of y'all who don't know, the Greenbrier is a world-renowned resort situated in the Allegheny Mountains up in White Sulphur Springs. Originally built over 240 years ago in 1778, the Greenbrier started out as a hotel and spa, much as it is now, but on a much smaller scale. Back then, the earliest guests would travel from all over to reach the White Sulphur Springs, where they thought the waters had some curative properties that would help with minor health problems. Beginning in the 1830s, the hotel began to gain prominence as politicians, judges, editors, lawyers, ministers, diplomats, planners, and merchants, as well as other elite citizens, from southern states congregated at what they called at the time the village in the wilderness. They did so in the summer months because the 2,000-foot elevation gain offered relief from the heat and humidity. At that time, their resort consisted only of cottages, many of which still stand today, including Paradise Row and Baltimore Row. Between the years 1830 and 1861, before the Civil War, five sitting presidents began demonstrating the resort's reputation as the most favored gathering place for the nation's most influential and powerful families. Now that number has risen from 5 to 27. In 1858, construction began on the first large hotel named the Grand Central Hotel, also known as the Old White. Between the years 1861 and 1865, during the American Civil War, the resort closed. During the war, both sides occupied the grounds as either a hospital or military headquarters. Shortly after the end of the Civil War, the resort began to reopen and became vastly improved due to the completion of the Chesapeake and Ohio Railway in 1873. In 1910, the CNO Railway purchased the resort and began massive expansion. In 1913, the railway added the Greenbrier Hotel, which is the central section of today's hotel, a new mineral bath department, which included the Grand Indoor Pool, and an 18-hole golf course, the Old White Course, which was designed by the most prominent contemporary golf architect, Charles Blair MacDonald. The following year, the resort was renamed as the Greenbrier. For the first time, the resort was open year-round, President and Mrs. Woodrow Wilson spent Easter holiday at the Greenbrier that year. Joseph and Rose Kennedy spent their honeymoon there. In the 1920s, the Greenbrier joined the High Society Traveling Network that stretches from Palm Beach, Florida to Newport, Rhode Island. During 1922, the obsolete Old White Hotel was removed, leading to the rebuilding of the Greenbrier Hotel in 1930. This upgrade doubled the number of guest rooms to 500. Cleveland architect Philip Small redesigned the main entrance and added Mount Vernon-inspired Virginia Wing and the north entrance facade. In 1941, the U.S. State Department leased the hotel for seven months after the U.S. entered World War II. During that time, hundreds of German, Japanese, and Italian diplomats and their families were relocated there from Washington, D.C. until they were able to be exchanged for U.S. diplomats in similar situation. During this time, the resort kind of operated as an internment camp albeit pretty high scale. The following year, in 1942, the U.S. Army purchased and converted the hotel into a 2,000-bed hospital known as Ashford General Hospital. 
Over four years, 21,148 soldiers were admitted and treated at surgical and rehab centers. Just a few years later, in 1946, the CNO Railway reacquired the hotel from the United States government and hired Dorothy Draper to begin a comprehensive redecoration. In 1948, the Greenbrier reopened, where they named Sam Sneed as the resort golf pro, establishing the resort as one of the world's most foremost golf destinations. In the 1950s, the U.S. government approached the Greenbrier again to build a bunker, which was to be used to house Congress in the case of war. Many people are familiar with the bunker, often claiming that it was built for the president in case of a nuclear war. However, it was actually built for all 535 sitting members of Congress. The bunker was designed to be 112,544 square feet. The bunker is now open for tours. The area boasts four entrances, three leading into the Greenbrier's grounds and one into the main building. Entering the bunker, you have to pass through a 25-ton blast door, which is actually opened by only applying 50 pounds of pressure. Then you must go through decontamination chambers. Inside the bunker, there are 18 dormitories to accommodate more than 11,000 people. There is also a power plant with purification equipment and three 25,000-gallon water tanks. There are also three 14,000-gallon diesel fuel tanks. There is a communication area with television production area and an audio recording booth. There's a clinic with 12 hospital beds as well as medical and dental operating rooms, a laboratory, pharmacy, and intensive care unit. There's a cafeteria as well as meeting rooms for the House and Senate and the Governor's Hall. The technology was constantly updated so the bunker was always ready. While the bunker was being built, there was an above-ground counterpart being constructed called the West Virginia Wing. The bunker, codenamed Project Greek Island, was maintained and operational for about 30 years, although it was never actually used. The facility was outed in 1992 after an expose was ran in the Washington Post. The tell-all article, titled The Ultimate Congressional Hideaway, written by Ted Gubb, was published May 31, 1992. The article details the construction of the bunker, which was intended to be used in the event of a nuclear fallout. The article also discusses the ongoing relationship between the U.S. government and the Greenbrier. Shortly after that article was published, the U.S. government decided to decommission the bunker, and in 1995 they ended the lease agreement that they had with the Greenbrier. In the year 2000, the Greenbrier Sporting Club began developing neighborhoods of custom-designed homes featuring panoramic views of the Allegheny Mountains. In 2004, the resort opened the new Infinity Edge Outdoor Pool. On May 7, 2009, Governor Jim Justice bought the resort from the CSX Corporation, which through its predecessor companies, the Chessie System and the C&O Railway, had owned the resort for around 90 years. In August of 2009, construction began on what is considered the most beautiful casino in the world. The casino includes shops, restaurants, and entertainment in a smoke-free environment. Carlton Varney commissioned the legendary high style of Dorothy Draper throughout the new venue. The grand opening commenced on July 2, 2010, unveiling the Casino Club at the Greenbrier. July 2014 saw the New Orleans Saints training camp being relocated to the Greenbrier. In June of the next year, the center court at Creekside Professional Tennis Stadium was open. In September of that year, Governor Justice forked over $6.1 million to have the Greenbrier Chapel constructed in just five months in time for his daughter's wedding. The chapel is a 12,000-square-foot, timber-frame venue ideal for weddings. It features stained-glass windows, white clapboard siding, copper roof and steeple, with pew seating for 500 guests. According to southernbride.com, 
Governor Justice was quoted saying, Over the past year, I realized the importance of the Greenbrier playing host to not just my own daughter's fairy tale wedding, but that every bride deserves a celebration befitting of a princess. The Greenbrier Chapel is the final piece of the puzzle on our quest to build a world-class wedding destination. In 2006, golf course architect Lester George created a challenging new version of the old white course. In 2010, Governor Justice arranged to relocate a PGA Tour event with a multi-year contract under the name the Greenbrier Classic. The Greenbrier's golf pro emeritus Tom Watson flew in to join Governor Justice for an announcement where he unveiled the first Greenbrier Classic to be held July 26th through August 1st, 2010. The 70-par tournament replaced the long-standing Buick Open in Grand Block, Michigan on the tour schedule. In 2018, the Greenbrier Classic was renamed a military tribute at the Greenbrier in honor of the U.S. military involvement at the site, such as its use as a hospital during World War II and Project Greek Island. A decrease in attendance, the tournament was canceled in 2020. On March 28, 2011, the Old White Course became a Tournament Players Club Network course. So there you have it, folks. That was a pretty quick rundown of the history of the Greenbrier. Today, the resort sits on about 11,000 acres of land with 710 guest rooms, 20 restaurants and lounges, more than 55 indoor and outdoor activities and sports. That includes winter activities such as a horse-drawn sleigh ride, ice skating, and a private rink. In the summer, you can go kayaking, rafting, fishing, and swimming. Year-round, they offer bowling, skeet shooting, and the ancient sport of falconry, which I think is awesome. And I know, you're probably thinking, Jordan, what about the golfing? Well, don't worry, I haven't forgotten. Golf is a huge part of the Greenbrier's history. Golf was introduced at the Greenbrier starting in the early 1900s, where in 1913, the Old White Course, the resort's first 18-hole course, was constructed. In 1978, Jack Nicklaus redesigned the Greenbrier Course, which was 50 years old at the time, bringing it to championship standards just in time for the 1979 Ryder Cup. Also held at the course were three PGA Senior Tournaments in the 80s, as well as the 1994 Solheim Cup. In 1999, Bob Cup redesigned, rerouted, and upgraded the Lakeside Course, a project including a new golf academy. Then in 2006, golf course architect Lester George created a challenging new version of the Old White Course. The Greenbrier continues to be named one of the most prestigious golf destinations in the world. Today you can find such courses as the Old White, the Greenbrier, the Meadows, and the Sneed including a full-service clubhouse, award-winning golf shop, and expert instruction by the Greenbrier Golf Academy. Another major amenity is the Greenbrier Clinic, which is adjacent to the hotel, and it has operated as an executive health facility since 1948. In 1971, it began operating independently from the hotel, although it still leases its facility from the Greenbrier. In 2011, Governor Justice announced an ambitious plan to construct the Greenbrier Medical Institute, which is a large-scale medical facility with a projected cost of at least $250 million, and it was planned to be built in five stages. It was to include a sports medicine facility to be headed by orthopedic surgeon James Andrews. Construction of the first stage began in May 2012. The project was intended to establish relationship with professional sports teams as the resort wanted to attract a National Football League team that would hold its annual training camp at the Greenbrier, which ended up going to the Saints, as I said earlier. The hotel committed to build three football fields and other facilities for the Saints at an estimated cost of 20 to $25 million. The project was to be partially subsidized by tax breaks recently approved by the state legislature, with an estimated value of $25 million over 10 years. The relationship between the hotel and the Saints reportedly developed after a visit by Saints head coach Sean Payton to the 2013 Greenbrier Classic Tournament. 
to play in its pro-am competition and then to serve as caddy for his friend PGA player Ryan Palmer. After three seasons during which the Saints praised the Greenbrier's facilities but finished with a 7-9 record every year, the Saints did not renew their contract with the hotel. The Houston Texans took over the facilities for their 2017 training camp. The Spring League, a minor league football organization, held six of the seven games in their inaugural season at the Greenbrier. As of 2017, after Jim Justice's election to be governor, his daughter Jill took over day-to-day operations at the Greenbrier. So now that you guys know about the Greenbrier's evolution over the years, I want to take a second to talk about the Greenbrier's representation in media. I don't know if you guys are familiar about the game Fallout 76, which I remember I mentioned it in like the first episode. And, you know, people in the area were super excited. People all over the state were super excited um, that we were going to be represented in a major franchise game such as in the Fallout series. Uh, However, the game ended up being a total flop. But in that game, there's a resort that is almost identical to the Greenbrier. In the game, it's called the White Spring Resort. Ah, Clever, I know. Um, Also, in 2010, there was a novel written by Brian Keane titled Entombed, which took place in a fictionalized version of the hotel uh, with a bunker underneath. And in the book, you know, he says that it was inspired by the Greenbrier. Um, Also, something I thought was really cool, uh, if you guys are familiar with Norm MacDonald, the comedian, I'm a big fan of his, Uh, When he was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, he was asked the million-dollar question, um, which referenced the Greenbrier's bunker. He was ready to guess, and he would have guessed correctly, but he chose to walk away because he thought that Regis, the the host, was trying to talk him out of it, um, when in fact Regis didn't know the answer and was trying to make sure that Norm didn't guess wrong. Uh, So he walked away with... $500,000, which ended up costing his charity that he was playing for um, $468,000 that he already won between the $500,000 question and the million-dollar question. I just, uh, I I was reading that, and that that blew my mind. Uh, (laughs) So it's always nice when something referencing our state pops up. So like I said, we're out there. Um, I mean, that's I kind of took it upon myself with this project, this show, as a way to kind of put West Virginia on the map, or at least to help that out. Uh, because, you know, like I said in the beginning, people when I tell people where I'm from, they, they only know us for the negative way that we're portrayed in the media. I want to get some of our rich history out there. Um, I've talked to people from other states, and, you know, I've... <laughs> I have friends from other states, and I've asked them about their uh, their state's folklore and stuff, and a lot of them, most of them can't tell me much, um, and I, I, that's crazy because I feel like I, I can just go on and on about all the different stories from our state, and I just think that's it's so cool, and the, the Greenbrier is a, is a prime example of the things that I'm trying to bring the, bring attention to. I mean, you know, it started out as... It started out as people back in the day just coming to get some of the some of the healing water, and then now it's a multi-million dollar, you know, world destination, wedding venue, golf course. Uh, it just has the works, and you know, we've <laughs> it attracts politicians and you know, world-renowned people just from all over the place, and you know, stuff like that blows my mind. Um, not to mention, it's the long-standing relationship with the government. Um, I just think that stuff's awesome. And I hope you guys do, too. Um, 
If not, I'm not real sure why you're listening to me still. Uh, but thanks anyway. So, uh, you know, with all that being said, I do plan on touching on, on a couple of things, a couple of the things I mentioned today, like the bunker, uh, that's going to come up again later. Um, also the history, uh, of, you know, of the military's involvement, uh, with going back to the civil war, you know, this, this state was formed by the civil war. So that don't think that's not going to come up again. Cause it is, um, I got a whole episode planned on the civil war. So, so hang tight for that. Um, also just again, I, I want to ask you guys to go check out the merch shop at teespring.com. Um, I mentioned the link in the beginning and you know, I've, let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to see. Right now, I have some. I have some T-shirts, some some hoodies, uh, some coffee mugs. I have some stickers in the works. You know, different things. Let me know what you want to see, and I'll I'll try my best to make it happen. Also, again, be sure to follow me on social media. I I try to post things almost every day uh, if I can't every day. Uh, I try to post things. You know, to get you guys talking, to get you. Uh, I like to see I like to see people commenting. I like to see people posting stuff and tagging me in it that I I get to see where they're coming from and where they're at. You know, I, I think that stuff's great. So again, I'm going to encourage you guys to reach out to me. Let me know what you want to hear. I've gotten a lot of feedback so far, and I like I said, I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, and this has been another episode of Best Virginia. See y'all next time. <laughs>